What is up, ambitious listeners? My name is Dylan Price, and yes, I am back. Uh, This is a special episode, still coming back August 12th with new episodes, but this is a special one that needed to happen. I sat down with Dr. Zayas. Thank you so much to him before the interview. I'd like to preface that because he worked tirelessly and is working tirelessly to form a plan of action in terms to get student-athletes back playing sports. So obviously this is a topic that is very prominent in both New York State and also the country as a whole. So this was an interview I was incredibly excited to do and glad that we could do it with his incredibly busy schedule. So I sat down with Dr. Zayas and I hope it gives you guys a peace of mind listening to this. No ads this episode, just the straight cold hard facts and I'll be back August 12th. Have a good one and enjoy. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. So today's guest is a fairly big one. I Most of our audience is based in New York, and this is very impactful to this audience. The New York State Public High School Athletics Association Executive Director, Dr. Robert Zayas, is on the phone right now. Doctor, how are you, and how have you been dealing with everything? And thank you so much for everything you're doing currently, trying to get sports back for us. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity to be on. Things uh, continue to be chaotic and confusing, but we have a goal of um, positively impacting student-athletes through participation, and we're focusing on that goal amidst all the craziness that's taking place throughout the state of New York and really throughout the world. So before we get into the knit and grit of the conversation, I do want to give the audience a little bit of a background on you and getting to this point. So how did your career kind of start and what made you want to get into directing high school sports and sports kind of as a whole? Yeah, um, I started off uh, teaching and coaching in Central Texas and then uh, spent 10 years at the New Mexico High School Athletic Association. I went out to Albuquerque, New Mexico to go to graduate school and uh, started working for the New Mexico High School Athletic Association. Ultimately got a PhD in sports administration from the University of New Mexico. And um, in the fall of 2012, the executive director's position was open here in upstate New York uh, for the entire state of New York. And um, I told my wife I thought it'd be a good idea to apply. We'd never been to New York, didn't know anyone in the state, but uh, I was uh, very interested in in, uh, trying to lead a statewide organization, and thankfully I got the opportunity to do that. And uh, just wrapping up my eighth year here in New York, and it's been an absolutely incredible experience. I've enjoyed every minute of it. Now, I will say something to kind of commend you a little bit here. In the time I've, and I'm fairly young for seeing the development of New York State sports, but from what I could remember being fairly younger and reading things, New York State has never been known as a very big city or state area really in general for sports. But I feel like in the time you've been here and your administration's been in charge of things, I feel like New York State has gained a lot more notoriety for high school sports in general. So I thank you for that. And what kind of is the process for that coming from Texas, a state that is known for sports, kind of going to New York where it's not as much known for sports? What is the kind of carryover there? And are the principles the same? What's that kind of like? Yeah, I think it's the same. I, I don't know if it's that New York isn't so much known for sports as much as, um, and I, I certainly don't take credit for the incredible athletes and the athleticism and talent that our student athletes have, but in, in my tenure, I've tried to uh, promote and highlight 
uh, high school sports. Um, when I started going to um, state championships here in New York, there weren't very, there wasn't a lot of brand recognition. Uh, our marketing and sponsorships was not where it was today. So just trying to bring a little bit of a, a different approach to things and um, tried to focus on promoting and highlighting our association's brand, but ultimately those student athletes who are participating. Now, kind of talking about directly what your job is, you touched on, you know, elevating the championships, talked about directing everything, but what is technically your day-to-day, what is a day in the life of you? Obviously, it's crazy right now with COVID, but what is a typical day life without COVID going on? Yeah, I mean, without COVID, we're in the process, my my staff and I are in, usually in the process of planning for state championship events. Um, I do an awful lot of rule interpretations as the official interpreter of all um, high school sport rules in the state. And, um, you know, I, I work a lot with our state legislators. I work a lot on litigation, lawsuits. Um, so I think a, a typical day, there there is no typical day, I guess, is the best way to answer that question because um, each day is, is different. There uh, always seems to be uh, some type of an issue to address uh, or to provide assistance with. Um, but uh, usually the days are long, depending upon what the time of the year is. For example, in the month of November, we work every single day in the month of November because of state championships, aside from Thanksgiving. Um, but uh, it, it, it definitely has its, um, its ups and downs as far as a uh, time commitment. Um, but usually my days start pretty early and, um, you know, go late into the evening. Now, you touched on no day is a normal day, and I have to assume, and I feel rightfully so, that no day is a normal day times a thousand right now because there's never been something like this. So could you kind of highlight what it's been like guiding the New York State Public High School Athletic Association through something so unprecedented like COVID-19? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I really enjoy is planning, and I know every high school athletic director is a great organizer and a great planner. Principals and superintendents, same exact thing. I think those characteristics go hand-in-hand with with the type of work that we're in. Um, So what I'm about to say is no different for a school superintendent, a principal, or an athletic director, but um, when you like to plan, then not having the ability to plan, nothing is predictable. And I think over the course of the last five months, we've realized that decisions are no longer being made on a monthly or a weekly basis, but, you know, sometimes a daily or an hourly basis. And that's difficult because um, in, a, in a world of um, schedules and plans and contracts, it's uh, it's a challenge to basically have to analyze and examine situations in a, in a completely abnormal way um, when we're used to looking at the state basketball championships are coming up for boys and girls. We know the venue. We know the official hotel. We know the uh, officials who are going to be calling the game. We even know who's working the scorer's table and who's going to be doing the PA announcement and who's going to be running the clock and who's going to be manning the locker rooms. Um, so we have all those things organized. And, uh, you know, high school athletic administration is very much an organizational uh, position where you're keeping things in line and you abide by a schedule. We haven't been able to do that for the last four months. I don't anticipate we'll be able to do that uh, in the very near future. Now, obviously, a lot of this is, as you said, going with the flow. So how has it kind of been 
it's safe to say right now, I feel as though New York has kind of transitioned from being what was the epicenter of the country for COVID-19 to a lot quieter in terms of the test rate or infection rate and death rate overall for the country right now. So as that kind of decreases and your job, it almost feels like increases in terms of what you have to plan now because there is the potential New York sports could come back. So with that said, what has it been like, I guess, since June, since it was officially announced that school would end for the 2019-2020 school year and now starting to plan but not really being able to plan? What has that process kind of been like, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's just tough. I mean, it, it, it's a challenge because you're planning for the unknown and you're planning for the unpredictable. Um, but there's still plans that have to be put into place. Um, the decision that our association made last week was a very challenging one where we had to make the very difficult decision based upon the data and the guidance that we're receiving from the Department of Health and other state officials. Uh, we canceled our regionals and canceled our state championships for the fall. And we've delayed the, the start of the fall sports season until September 21st. And that's to afford schools and school districts the opportunity to open without having another challenge or another obstacle placed before them. When you look at all of the different challenges that a school district has right now, from all the way from social distancing to face coverings for their students and staff um, to transportation, where are students going to eat during the day, the cafeteria most likely will not be available, all of those other challenges and obstacles. That's why we put a pause on the start of the fall sports season. And then our goal is that we're able to start fall sports pending guidance for state officials on September 21st. Now, one thing that I did notice with your guys' release with this, and I do as much as it as a New York State public athlete, and I feel this kind of speaks for the sentiment of just about every athlete right now, as much as it's probably painful to see state championships and regional championships get canceled, it's at the point now where you're incredibly right. There's so much that has to get planned that that's an added thing that's weighing even on you guys and now on local levels as well. So I very much respect the move, although obviously it is painful for New York State athletes. But in that same regard, you mentioned the delay of the season to September 21st. But also in that release, what I was getting at is there was a layout of a potential complete shift of the seasons starting in January. So could you kind of talk about what that would be like a little bit more in depth than uh, the graphic or even in regards to the graphic? Yeah, I mean, one of the realities of the situation is we really don't know, but I think it's important to at least have a plan B in case. So, um, as I just alluded to, we're, we're planning to start fall sports on September 21st. If that does not become a reality or we're not able to start fall sports on September 21st, then plan B would be is to move into what's being referred to as a condensed season model. And what the condensed season would be is they take all three seasons – fall, winter, and spring, and then start those in January with the winter sports season, and then run that for a period of time, and then run fall sports for a period of time, and then follow that and conclude the school year with the spring sports season. Um, The condensed season model has a tremendous number of difficult aspects to it in that there is an overlap in some of the seasons, um, depending upon how many weeks we have. Now, the dates that we released, I think you're referring to our press release, um, 
is um, those dates are tentative and those dates are likely to change. Um, right now with the condensed season model that we release, we would start the winter sports season on January 4th and then run that through March 15th. We'd start fall sports on March 1st and run that through May, but then we would start spring sports on April 5th. Well, obviously that's a pretty big overlap between what would be the fall sports season and season number two and the spring sports season in season number three. And there's multi-sport athletes that would have to potentially pick a sport. There's coaches that would have to potentially pick a sport, and there's officials that would have to pick a sport. And then you also have facility concerns, and you have the weather playing a major role in different parts of the state. So the condensed season model is not without fault. It is not perfect, but what it does do is it attempts to preserve the season for every single student athlete in the state of New York that are part of our association during the upcoming school year. But by no means is it perfect. It was never intended uh, to be a perfect plan, uh, but it, it was intended in an effort to try to give every student the opportunity to participate in their sport of choice. But those dates, again, I can't emphasize enough, are tentative because instead of 10-week seasons, maybe we should have eight-week seasons. And instead of the spring sports season in ending in mid-June, maybe we could end that in late June. So we would further reduce the overlap. So we're looking at a lot of different things. Nothing is set in stone right now. There's a lot that's likely to change, but at least I feel like we have a plan to say it's either September 21st or condensed season model later on in January. And we're seeing a number of states already utilizing that same type of uh, model in order to accommodate their state associations. Now, in terms of preservation of seasons, one thing that's been floated in New Jersey's talked about a little more heavily than New York at this point has been eligibility in terms of getting some athlete seasons, especially if it's, you know, somebody who is looking to get recruited and you lose out on that season, or even if it's a spring athlete and you lose out on two seasons in a row, what has kind of been the discussions internally in terms of maintaining and preserving eligibility? And is that something that, I mean, looking at the NCAA model, it's much more easy to do when you're paying for school and not on a set precedent of how many years you go to school. But is there any way you guys have talked about preserving eligibility for some of those athletes that would have interest in that? That, that idea or that topic has been discussed, but really without a lot of momentum here in the state of New York. And I did a national survey a few months ago when New Jersey was considering their legislation, and uh, I couldn't find another state in the country that was supportive of extending eligibility as a result of the COVID crisis. The thing we have to be cognizant of is if you extend the eligibility, then you're ultimately going to have hypothetically, um, the starting quarterback of the football team who was um, being recruited or wanting to be recruited because that's one um, one consideration that I keep on hearing from some people about the reason why we should extend the eligibility. Well, what about the student athlete that was waiting to play quarterback to then give himself the opportunity to be recruited? Um, it just creates a lot of different issues. Um, it displaces or has the potential to displace athletes. Um, and then it also encourages students to remain in high school longer than what they need to. Um, keep in mind, we are not preparing students for the next uh, level of competition. We are preparing them for the next level of their life through participation in high school sports. And I think we are drastically different than that of AAU and club. No offense against those organizations, but that's not what we're about, nor do we want to be about some of those um, characteristics that are really um, create the philosophy and, and create AAU and club programs. 
I very much agree with that answer and like that answer as much as somebody myself is a senior this year and know a lot of seniors who are trying to get recruited. It's almost at the point where you you have to move forward when it's time to move forward. And as much as it's painful, you can't if my friend is a pitcher, as you just kind of touched on, and he's the ace of the squad right now, but you've got a guy who's a sophomore ready to take over him coming back as a fifth-year pitcher is not something that's feasible on a high school scale. And obviously, it can be feasible on an NCAA scale, but it's not something that I think should or could carry over without hiccups to high school. So I respect you guys doing that heavily. Well, I think, Dylan, the other thing you have to be aware of is when you're in college, there's always more education to take. Mm-hmm. You know, there's you know you can you can continue your studies and and uh, and get a master's degree or you know get a, a, a business administration degree if you majored in sociology or psychology or I mean whatever it might be. There's no other classes that you can take when you're done with your high school curriculum. You're done with your high school curriculum, and by extending eligibility, we'd almost be encouraging students not to um, not to finish their curriculum at a pace that was most beneficial for them. Unlike college, that you can go and take additional courses and still continue learning in that environment on that campus. Now, talking a little more vaguely than what we've kind of talked about in this specific aspect of sports, you're working hand-in-hand right now with a lot of New York State officials and trying to navigate the return to school in a broader standpoint. So I ask you this as a student and also, I guess, in a journalist perspective, as I'm sure many have asked you, I know there's no way to give a yes or no answer, but do you see students returning to desks in terms of physical learning in some aspect in 2020? I would hope so. I mean, we've, we've seen all the research that's been put out there. I mean, I'm, I'm the father of two little girls, mm-hmm. age 13 and, and 10, and uh, I'm hoping that they can be back in a classroom. But that's also with saying that school administrators have a tremendous amount of work in order to make that a reality. Um, so as much of a, as I want that to take place as a parent, I'm also cognizant that school administrators are doing everything they can to make that happen because they, too, want students to be back in the classroom, but it needs to be safe and it needs to take all of the individuals that are in a school building in a given day into consideration. So only time shall tell. I have the utmost confidence in our school administrators and the Department of Health and our state officials, especially the governor's office, that they're doing everything they can uh, to take care of our kids, take care of our communities, and to make sure that everybody's as safe as they possibly can be during this very difficult time. Now, another directive that's been kind of talked about hypothetically has been a vaccination. Obviously, nobody knows what the timetable truly is for a suitable vaccination. But if, saying we're living in hypothetical world here, a vaccination is developed and readily made to the public by March, does that change the way you guys go about things for public sports for the spring fall, I guess, mesh season, or does it kind of go across as a regular plan and then you plan for it directly in 2021? And I know, obviously, this is an incredibly difficult question because of the consistent change of circumstances. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hypotheticals in there, and I think the, the way that we would address that is we would rely upon the individual that we've been relying upon for the last four months, five months, from the Department of Health, both at the state level and the local level, to really guide us in how a vaccination could potentially impact both education and athletics. But right now, it's just way too early to tell. I think there's there's a lot that goes into that, 
and uh, we need to rely upon those experts in the field um, that we have been uh, certainly counting on for the last five months. Now, has there been talk about internally, and this is something that could be a very real possibility, having to wear masks and navigate that aspect of things for student-athletes if there is a return to sports in terms of interscholastic competition? Um, what is the kind of, like, if there was a section championships, would kids have to wear masks when competing, or would it be something you just have to do non-competing? What has kind of been the sort of hypothetical questionings you guys have thought about in that sense? I mean, I think at this point in time, it should be optional for students. It shouldn't be mandated. Um, but again, our Department of Health is going to help us with that guidance when it comes to face coverings. Now, one of my final questions here for you is in terms of if you had to give a percentage answer, and I know, once again, these are incredibly difficult things to do, a percentage answer that there is sports in this school year upcoming, is there any general percentage you could kind of give out on that to give hope to student-athletes? You know, one thing I've learned, Dylan, over the course of the last five months is, is try not to predict. <laughs> because when I try to predict, I'm only going to put myself in a very difficult situation. So um, I would answer that question, and a very good question, by the way, um, with this response, is that I am very optimistic that the work that our school districts are doing that our community leaders are doing and that our state officials are doing um, is making it more feasible and is making it more likely that we will be able to have uh, school sports in the upcoming school year. I can't say, say the same about some states throughout the country, but I have the utmost confidence, again, with the work that's being done by our state and our state officials um, to make that a reality. Well, that was probably the best answer I could have hoped for to ease my mind, and I think that that can be said by most student-athletes and parents of them listening to this. So thank you for that one. Now another question here before we close out. Has this been able to set a precedent for future events for you guys in terms of how you'd navigate things? Because God hoping that there is no future pandemic again but has this kind of been a way for almost in a good sense to set a precedent for disaster preparedness for you guys yeah i mean i think my definition of worst case scenario has certainly been redefined over the course of the last <laughs> five months um my old definition of worst case scenario is a catastrophic snowstorm um in the month of march that ultimately postpones or or forces the cancellation of the boys and girls basketball state championships that was my worst case scenario never did i ever in my wildest dreams think that we would go into a situation where not only did we have to cancel the basketball and ice hockey uh, state championships but we would and bowling championships by the way but we'd also have to cancel the entire spring season. Um, that was never a possibility. I never thought that there would be anything that would um, would lead to that. So I think my definition of worst case has, has definitely been redefined. But I think it just gives us um, maybe a greater appreciation for um, how good we had it and how easy it was. And I think once we get back to some sense of normalcy, and I, I do have confidence that we will uh, get back to that, I think we're going to all have a greater appreciation for some of the things that maybe we took for granted um, prior to the beginning of March 2020. Now, Doctor, and I can't thank you enough for your time, by the way, talking in a broader sense about yourself, uh, one question I ask every guest who comes on this show is, what legacy do you want to leave when it's all said and done and you're six feet under, I guess, in a darker terms? But what is the legacy you'd like to leave? 
you know, I, I, I hope people realize that the decisions that I make as an executive director or I help to make as an executive director are all focused on what's in the best interest of those students that are participating in high school sports here in the great state of New York. Um, so I'm hoping that that's uh, maybe if, uh, if there's a legacy or, or what I'm remembered for, I'm hoping that that, that would be it. And my final question for you, maybe the most important one I ask you, so get ready. If you could be any kind of boat, what boat would you be? Any kind of a boat? A boat. <laughs> oh, boy. That's a tough question. You're asking some good questions, Dylan. Um, I don't know. Maybe uh, oh, God. Maybe a sailboat. I don't even know the reason why. I've never been on a sailboat. I've never really been around <laughs> a lot of boats. I grew up in San Antonio, Texas. There wasn't a whole lot of... Uh, boating going on and then i lived in albuquerque new mexico in the middle of the desert and uh you know i think living in upstate new york is the closest that i've ever lived to a body of water being lake george or lake uh, saratoga so uh, or saratoga lake so yeah maybe a sailboat but uh, i can't really tell you why Dylan. <laughs> well i appreciate it and i appreciate you taking the time obviously you're working incredibly hard right now so you taking the time for this was uh, much, much appreciated to myself and this audience. So thank you very much. And ladies and gentlemen, the executive director of the New York State Public High School Athletics Association, Dr. Robert Zayas. Thank you again, sir. Dylan, let me tell you, you've asked some great questions. I've been, uh, I've probably been interviewed a couple hundred times uh, during the, the pandemic. And uh, the questions that you're asking are right up there with some of the top media reporters we have in, in the state of New York. So hopefully you, uh, you continue to pursue uh, career in journalism because I th- certainly think you have a bright future. Thank you very much. That means a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Zayas. Once again, I want to thank Dr. Zayas for coming on the show. It was a special episode and a reason to break out of the hiatus quick here to talk to him. And I hope that he gave you a, a peace of mind and eased your mind as he did for me. And it was a great conversation. I'm glad he came on. Reminder, we will be back August 12th with new episodes, and you can listen to any old episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on Instagram, at Ambitious Podcast, Twitter, at Ambitious with DP, YouTube, Ambitious with Dylan Price. Have a wonderful couple-week-ish time period, Ambitious listeners, and I'll be back soon.